And welcome into Mile High Magazine. This is Murphy Houston. Happy Sunday to you all. Hope you are safe. Hope you are healthy. And we're glad to have you on board to Mile High Magazine. And joining me today is Dr. Michael Benitez, Vice President for Diversity and Inclusion at MSU right here in Denver, Metro State University. Michael, can I call you Michael or I have to call you Dr.? Oh, no, no, Michael is fine, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I want to show respect. You got your doctor. That's a lot of work. It's not easy because my daughter is going through the same thing, and I know what you have to go through to become a Ph.D., so congratulations on that. Thank you. Gratitude. It matters, and it's definitely a journey. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. It's a journey. So before we get into our topic in the census, and I happened to see uh, be part of an interview you did for a lot of the media people throughout the state of Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and I was just kind of overwhelmed as what's going on with the census and some of the immigrants right here in the Denver area, as well as the state of Colorado. But let's talk about your background a little bit. Explain what your position is at MSU as Vice President for Diversity and Inclusion. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so, I'm, uh, yeah, as a vice president for diversity and inclusion, you know, I'm, I'm really charged with assuring that we maintain uh, a particular, you know, eye to, to vision, mission, and, and, and the goals and who we say that we are, uh, especially around diversity, equity, and inclusion work. That means, you know, really working closely with all the other vice presidents and the president, the board trustees, uh, college deans, other constituents on campus across faculty, staff, and students uh, to assure that, you know, we're implementing and engaging in uh, practices that are that are anchored and grounded in equity, diversity, uh, and inclusion work. So a lot of collaboration, a lot of synergy, uh, a lot of leadership, uh, and a lot of boldness uh, with respect to the conviction it takes to address this work uh, through an authentic lens. Good for you. And I'll bet that's, I bet you have a lot of interest from students in that area too over at MSU, don't you? Absolutely. No, we, we were in Colada. There's we're, you know, almost 50 percent students of color here. Uh, so we take it seriously. Uh, we were also an open uh, enrollment access institution. Uh, we really believe that, uh, you know, at times a lot of the mechanisms are put in place to actually prevent access. And we challenge that. We uh, like to you know, see ourselves as a highly accessible place, you know, not only for students of color, but for non-traditional students, uh, students with families. Uh, sometimes a, a four-year uh, you know, roadmap, it doesn't work out for them. They might want to kind of slow it down and spread it out a little bit more and take eight years or 10 years. And, and that's okay. You know, I think people need to understand that. We also serve, you know, quite a bit of military veterans, you know, students with disabilities. So we just really take this work incredibly serious. It's, it's such a essential part of our institutional identity uh, and who we are. Well, that's a great thing, a great thing. And one of the part of the conversation we had the other day in our little statewide conversation with you was the problems with the census. 2020 census is going on right now. Uh, pretty soon census people will be going door-to-door to make sure people know the value of filling out the census form, which is really easy to do. But what caught my attention, Michael, was the fact that you were saying a lot of immigrants are afraid to fill out the census. Can you talk more about that? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for asking that question. And, uh, yes, I mean, the census, wow, it's, it's incredibly important work. I mean, right through the census... Uh, when people count themselves and we get an accurate representation of numbers in any particular area, that means uh, more more resources. That means more uh, financial commitments. And uh, that means that we'll be able to do more to serve our respective communities, whether that's through you know, public health, whether that's through education, whether that's through uh, uh, different programs that you know, serve the most vulnerable 
uh, citizens of any you know given community. Uh, so it's it's really uh, important work. But what what I have found here, you know, leading one of the uh, uh, census efforts uh, in one of the grants for for this work is that you do find that in some communities, particularly uh, the Latinx communities uh, who are connected to immigration some way, uh, or the immigrant communities that go beyond Latinx representation. Right, it's really immigration and or refugees. From, from from other countries who are here in Denver, uh, you know, uh, at times are reserved and, uh, you know, express that they're scared to complete the census because of misinformation that they hear in their communities. Uh, and while they're, they're, they're willing to, you know, complete the form, and a lot of them, uh, I think, have really understood that it is a very easy process and that it is confidential and that that data will not be, you know, uh, shared uh, by way of the who is completing, it's more so to get a sense of uh, the numbers and, and, and representation. You have quite a bit of folks who truly do believe that that is a way to target their communities. And you have, uh, on some occasions, I've heard back from community members, uh, people who are going around encouraging people not to complete the census. So if not, they're going to be deported. If not, they're going to be targeted. Uh, and, and, you know, for people whose experience is grounded in sort of that, that reality, uh, even, even if they are, you know, recent citizens uh, but may have family members who are not citizens yet or may have family members who have had bad experiences uh, with, with different people, particularly uh, authorities, uh, there's less investment in the willingness to complete those because of the fear uh, that uh, folks are kind of spreading around uh, some uh, communities and more so the hard-to-count communities. And can you maybe reach in a little further? Who is telling them this information? Who would be telling them not to fill out the census? And again, explain why they're telling them that. Yeah, well, from, from, from my understanding uh, with respect to what community members have been sharing with me, is, is, is often a person who is uh, white identified. But uh, I also want to be clear, right, that there's uh, also assumptions that are made, but they're more likely than not going to be correct assumptions. But by appearings, they describe them mainly as uh, white males who are, you know, walking around, you know, different neighborhoods. Uh, they, they don't necessarily have uh, documents or papers uh, to, to hand out, but they are knocking on doors. And not only are they knocking on doors, they're knocking on doors, uh, you know, during this pandemic, uh, and, uh, which is also causing uh, a bit more fear because folks are asking, why are people coming to my door? Uh, I thought we're under kind of, uh, you know, just cautious restrictions uh, to maintain social distancing. Uh, and then there's the real fear of, you know, some of the things that are said again you you you're going to be deported or you're going to be targeted or your community is going to be targeted so this is some of the the messaging i don't think that you know i've heard any particular threats like we're going to do this to you but it's more the culture here and also playing on the national landscape and seeing some of the racial unrest and uh sort of uh the 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 uh uh, the political unrest, what's going on between different people and the divisions are racially be- between different peoples and the way in the news is 
getting killed and who's getting targeted and who's not being held accountable. So when you start to put all that together, uh, you, you start to make sense out of some people just feeling, particularly some communities of color or even other minoritized communities, feeling like if they share some information that they may be targeted or that their communities may be targeted. And if not them, then different uh, to which they belong to. So they, I think they're doing it one. Uh, they're not completing as a, a, a protection for entire communities. I see. Those communities are not targeted. Yeah. Do we need to find out a way? Because soon enough, you know, the Census Bureau is going to, and they already have, are sending people out door to door to remind people and explain how the census works. And they're going to be fully identified. They're going to have credentials. Is this going to help these immigrants and those that are afraid to fill out the census understand, oh, it's okay to do this. I better do this. Will that help or will that make it even worse? No, you know, I think that will help, strategically speaking, because of COVID-19. So, so much of the outreach for education and for encouragement of completion has happened virtually or with some uh, type of social distance. Uh, that becomes a little harder in some communities for our ability to at least have one-on-one conversations. People will identify themselves and show their credentials and offer accurate information. And that piece is so important. And I think that what I've heard that is different is that you have folks who are not really identifying themselves, or if they do, they're not really showing uh, a thing that right. here's my credential. And that will be the difference maker. That said, though, I do want to highlight one important point is, you know, what is the culturally relevant lens that folks who are knocking on doors will be wearing as they go knocking on doors because to work against them. If we don't have a diverse representation of people knocking on doors, if folks uh, don't speak, let's say, the different languages, uh, uh, to be able to address or uh, uh, speak with uh, very particular communities, that, that, that's certainly going to add to some of the distrust that we're already seeing or witnessing uh, in some of the especially harder-to-count uh, locations. But I do think at the end it will be more useful and beneficial uh, the nuts. Well, and I think it's part of the education process here, Michael, because they need to realize the importance of filling out the census, as you addressed early in our conversation about medical benefits. But the big benefit, each person that fills out one of those census represents like $2,000 for the state of Colorado for various forms. And then that lasts for 10 years because they don't do the census, but every 10 years, and that'll help us get the money we need by them filling out the census. Agreed? Uh, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And, and, and I'll add that, you know, the better job we can do, uh, even as a state, for example, really highlighting and demonstrating how these dollars are being put to use to benefit these communities, that's a very practical way of really uh, heightening uh, and bolstering encouragement uh, to complete the census and even uh, census completion in itself. When we don't offer or provide specific practical, here's the, the, the real-to-real impact. Here's how the funds are being used. Here's where they're going. Again, uh, you know, you do have a lot of communities who in many ways uh, are, are not seeing some of those benefits, uh, maybe don't know where to go, or maybe there's just a, a lack of resources. So when they're not seeing the immediate impact, that certainly contri- contributes to even a lot of people saying, why, why should I fill it out? I'm not really seeing the benefits uh, of this. So to your point about education, connecting the ways in which communities are benefiting 
directly to the communities goes a long way, and especially the harder-to-come communities uh, are believing in this and feeling like uh, they can certainly, you know, complete the census for exactly the purpose of attaining more resources, financial resources, for the work uh, in these communities to go on. Uh, absolutely correct there, too. And what they realize, too, the political outlook in the state, based on how they fill out their forms, which is basic stuff, uh, can really mm-hmm. change the political outlook of uh, of a state like Colorado. Indeed. No, no, and you know, indeed, particularly in the way that we account for and 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 deliver services and allocate resources uh, to 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 the communities that need them the most. Well, we certainly want them to be involved. We're talking with Dr. Michael Benitez, uh, the doctor. He's got a doctorate, the vice president of diversity and inclusion over at MSU University, uh, Metro State, about filling out the census and helping the immigrants understand the importance. They're as valuable as anybody else here, right, Michael? Uh, they're, they're, they're not only valuable. When you look at the data, you, you also begin to see uh, how, how much uh, immigrants and, 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 and others of the migrant communities. So, you know, byproducts of immigration who are perhaps even first generation citizens or have recently become citizens, uh, the amount of economic contribution they provide uh, to this uh, both local and state levels uh, is actually pretty immense. Yeah. Oh, there's no denying that. And it's quite a simple process. I mean, you can do it by phone, you can do it online, you can do it by mail, you go to the census website. They ask you about five questions. Have you done the census, Michael? Oh, I have done it. I was, uh, I, you know, I was on it, you know, fairly quickly as soon as it came back out. Uh, as soon as it came out back in March, I went in, went online, uh, filled it out. It took me uh, literally about five, six minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, at the, you know, at the, at the, at the minimum, if you have someone who lives alone, because you know you're required to count everyone in one particular household right. who lives under that roof. Uh, if, if, uh, uh, you know, if you have a larger household. Uh, it may take eight minutes. If you have a smaller household, it may take five minutes, but it certainly will take no more than 10 minutes. And that's for someone who perhaps doesn't have the background, who just needs to understand it a little bit better, hence the role of a census specialist are out there engaging this outreach and education efforts. Absolutely. I agree. And they don't ask personal questions. They don't want Social Security numbers, bank accounts, credit cards. They don't want any of that kind of stuff. Not at all. And if anyone is asking for that, then then there should be a red flag or multiple red flags. Uh, No one should be asking or inquiring about any uh, uh, personal information that divulges the identity of any individual. Nice way to end it here. Dr. Michael Benitez from MSU, thank you for helping with that census explanation. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, Much appreciation. Oh, anytime. We'll have you back again, I'm sure, soon. And we're going to take a bit of a break. We'll be back with uh, Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health talking more about what's happening in the state of Colorado and COVID-19.